$12 billion. That's what Governor Gavin Newsom has earmarked for homeless and housing projects in his new budget. Now, before this, the highest previous investment from the state had only been $1 billion. The governor spoke about the massive investment at a news conference in Mountain View today. And as KTVU's Ann Rubin explains, he hopes to expand on the success of his Project Home Key program. In Mountain View, these modular units for the homeless went from concept to reality in a matter of months. And nonprofit Life Move says they're just getting started. This is our Home Key 1.0 model. This is the 1.0 model. We're looking to do at least 10 more of these home key projects. And that's about to get a lot easier thanks to a huge influx of cash. Governor Gavin Newsom created Project Home Key to help address homelessness during the pandemic. His new state budget will take it to the next level. That will provide $12 billion of investments in housing. It's just, it blows through anything we've done in the past replicating this model with billions and billions of dollars. Project Home Key is supposed to help local communities and agencies think outside the box. Everything from modular homes to tiny homes to converted motels. And they're already seeing results statewide. Six plus thousand housing units and units that are being brought online not only in six months, but for a fraction of what it would have cost if we had applied the old strategies. And while homeless advocates say the money will go far, they're concerned. Several temporary hotel programs for the homeless end soon, and new projects won't be ready fast enough. So I'm saying, well, this sounds great, but we don't have any place for those people to go. There isn't some other place for them to live. In Mountain View, the mayor says they're doing what they can. The new Life Moves project can house 124 people. The city's also looking at converting the Crestview Hotel. Especially during the pandemic, we need to be flexible, we need to be creative, and we need to be collaborative. And through HomeKey, we could be. The governor says President Biden has also identified Project HomeKey as a national model and has put $5 billion into the federal stimulus pot for programs like it. And Rubin, KTVU Fox 2 News. Hello, welcome to the show. I would like to clear up and go over some information in some of these loose files I have hanging around here and close up this Baruch business. So, they're such freaks. He had a daughter. Well, he had a couple daughters, supposedly. Um, one was Bell W. Baruch. <laughs> so, that would be B.W.B. She was a horsewoman, equestrian? Yeah, yeah, she was pretty famous. You can find pictures of her or him or however you want to look at it online. Belle W. Baruch. So I'm going to be going through some different, um, I you know obviously have a lot of files, so I would like to combine today some of my files about things about the Jews, the New World Order, and what does some of this mean, along with some famous quotes? For example, let's start off with one. The genius of the Jews is to live off people, not off the land, not off the production of commodities from raw materials, but off people. Let other people till the soil. The Jew, if he can, will live off the tiller. Let other people toil at trades and manufacture. The Jew will exploit the fruits of their work. This is his particular genius. 
if this genius be described as parasitic, the term would seem to be justified. The Jewish nation is the only nation that possesses the secrets of all the rest. There is no government in the world so completely at their service as America. The British did this. The Germans did that when it was the international Jews who actually did it. The Americans are now known as sordid, greedy, cruel people. Why? Because Jewish money power is centered here. A term you'll be hearing is crypto-Judaism. Crypto-Judaism. At first, I thought it had something to do with crypto money. (laughs) Well, it might. I don't know. I would think it probably they're behind all this Bitcoin and stuff, but I'm not going to go there. All that shines is not really gold, okay? Crypto-Judaism is the secret adherence to Judaism while publicly professing to be of another faith. Practitioners are referred to as crypto-Jews. The term is especially applied historically to Spanish Jews who outwardly profess Catholicism, also known as conversos, moranos, or the A-U-S-I-M. The phenomena is especially associated with Renaissance Spain following the massacre of 1391 and the expulsion of the Jews in 1492. In Germany, Jacob Klotzkin, a Jewish political Zionist ideologist in Germany at the time, where incidentally the Jews of Germany were enjoying full political and civil rights, makes a following provocative statement, hoping it will undermine the Jewish communities in Germany and make them flee to Palestine. He said, We Jews are aliens, a foreign people in your midst, and we wish to stay that way. A Jew can never be a loyal German. Whoever calls a foreign land his fatherland is a traitor to the Jewish people. In his book, The Jews, published this year, I don't know what year this was, Hilary Belloc, B-E-L-L-O-C, states the following in relation to the increasing phenomena of the crypto-Jew. He said, Take the particular trick of false names. It seems to us particularly odious. We think when we show our contempt for those we use as subterfuge that we are giving them no more than they deserve. It is meanness when we associate with criminals and vagabonds, a piece of crawling and sneaking. Men whose race is universally known will unblushingly adopt a false name as a mask and after a year or two pretend to treat it as an insult if their origin and true names be used in its place. He goes on to reveal how some Jews did not need to change their names as they simply intermarried with the aristocracy of Europe, which he states, wholesale marriages between what had once been the aristocratic territorial families of this country and the Jewish commercial fortunes. Yeah, there's something about that. They call them um, dollar brides that went on during the war. As a matter of fact, Churchill's mother was allegedly a dollar bride. 
what they did was supposedly they lined up rich women from this country and really sold them off to aristocrats who were broke and wanted the money from the ones from this country. So they married these um, men or women or girl boys or whatever you want to call them from here. And um, the people here had all the money, but they didn't have the titles. So I don't know. Is that true? It makes a lot of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me. After two generations of this, those of the great territorial English families in which there was no Jewish blood was the exception. What they're saying is the Jewish blood got through all the English families. As a matter of fact, Princess Diana traces her genealogy to Jewish. So, um, in nearly all of them, there was a stain more or less marked in some of them so strong that though the name was was still an English name and the tradition, those of purely English lineages of the long past, the physique and character had become wholly Jewish and the members of the family were taken for Jews wherever they traveled in countries where the gentry had not yet suffered or enjoyed the admixture. Traveling to places where the Jews had not infiltrated. Now this is just their words, but it does make a great deal of sense. So let me see here. I'm also trying to work without a mouse this week. My mouse stopped working on my laptop. You can teach an old dog new tricks, but editing has become a little bit more complicated. So... Interesting Jew, Joseph Stalin, son of a Jew, became premier of the Soviet Union. Joseph Stalin, a Georgian, became premier of the Soviet Union. Joseph Stalin's real name is, and I won't even try to get this one, it is spelled D-J-U-G-A-S-H-V-I-L-I, D-G-G-A-V-I-L-I, which translates from Georgian as son of a Jew. In the Georgian language, Shavil means son of, and the first part, the Dejung, D-J-U-N-G, means Jew. So, Dejung, D-J-U-N-G, means Jew in Georgian. Stalin also had three wives. Oh, of course he had three. I'm not even going to try to pronounce these people's names. All of them Jewesses. All three wives were Jewish, right? Interestingly, Stalin passes a law during his premiership that resulted in anyone found guilty of anti-Semitism being sentenced to death. (laughs) I was thinking also, uh, at first, when I first started this research, I was wondering how the Jewish people allowed it to happen with Hitler. See how that thinking happened? Because I was also convinced that it had something to do with the German people themselves allowing this mess to happen. That's why it's a pretty pretty darn clever trick to have German in this thing because it's kind of like the tri-state area, you know, Nebraska, Kansas. Something's going on. And um, they do tend to work in little groups of little places. And in a minute here, once I get past some of these uh, quotes... I have some interesting places to think about where they have their little statues and things all over this country. They really have time-stamped this country with their satanic wishes. So, anyhow, so let me see here. 
um, the Jewish courier Jews may adopt the customs and language of the countries where they live, but they will never become part of the native population. That was stated in the January 17th issue. That would be 1924. So, in 1927, uh, this thing called the Jewish Tribute of New York, it said, Masonry is based on Judaism. Eliminate the teachings of Judaism from Masonic ritual and what is left. They are intertwined. The Masonic part is their ritual part. Their part with all those crazy little symbols, all the little eyes and stuff they like all over the place. That's who these freaks are. That That's their Masonic part of this deal. So, yeah, um, it's really just them putting their stamp on things, just the same way they want to give themselves awards and crowns and <laughs> fancy robes. <laughs> Must be something to go through life just being nothing but a liar and a trick. So, anyway, so on October 28, 1927, the Jewish Tribute of New York. Oh, I already said that. <laughs> um, so, let me go through some of these places in this country. We have the House of Temple. It's a Masonic temple. It's a stone's throw from the White House. The House of the Temple is the headquarters of the southern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, if you recall, they supposedly may have something to do with the design of the Civil War flag. I do believe that. The Scottish Rite is an appendant body of Freemasonry and is ruled by the Supreme Council, which only 33 Mason may join. That's where you get those two threes from. The 33 is invite only, while any Mason, Master Masons, may petition to receive degrees. Matter of fact, I looked at the state of Nebraska, there are like 60-some Masonic lodges just in this state alone. I'm presuming those lodges would be for Mason members who are not the top ones. Those members that are not the top ones would be people like cops, people who are police officers. They meet in those Mason lodges, but they're not the top ones, but they're considered Masons, okay? And here in this country, we have the, uh, oh, wait a minute, let me get back to this other one. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, okay, yeah, this is very interesting. That's why you see the name Marilyn Monroe, MM33. Famed Confederate General Albert Pike and author of Moral and Dogma, which is sometimes connected to World War III and Satan worship, was the Scottish Rite's most influential sovereign grand commander and is interred in the temple's basement. This is the place right around the corner from the White House called the House of Temple. Construction of the building began in 1911 and completed in 1915. It was designed by John Russell Pope, who based his designs on the mausoleum at Hilarikis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. 
Yeah, you know, there's something around this early 1900s because remember all these books that they started these deals, early 1900s, which they picked up later. 1900s, I think, and I talked to Andy about this briefly, I think the flappers, those flapper girls who were really men in wigs, I think the flappers was part of how they announced their presence here. The flappers, that happened in the very early 20s. Dancing, singing, being wild, talking about wild sex. The flappers were an interesting intersection. If I get time, I'll go back and talk about the flappers. But yeah, the flappers, a lot happened in the early 1900s. So, what else do we have here? Of course, we have the Statue of Liberty. Liberty enlightening, enlightening the world in New York Harbor. Known officially as Liberty Enlightening the World, the 151 feet, 46 meters, Statue of Liberty, located in New York Harbor, is one of the highly recognizable symbols of freedom in the world. <laughs> in this dual world, I don't think that statue means freedom, but think for yourself. The statue was a gift from France to its fellow republic, the United States. It was funded by a variety of French groups, including the Masonic Lodge of France, Grand Orient de France. I only know some Spanish, not French, so <laughs> remember, I'm an American, okay? Be impressed that I know some Spanish. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it, this Grand Orient de France, which should be in a French accent, while the pedestal was financed through fundraising efforts in the United States. Huh. It depicts Libertas, the Roman goddess, the personification of liberty, holding up a torch, thus enlightening the world. Okay, the Statue of Liberty was designed by French Freemason Frederick A. Barthori, B-A-R-T-H-O-L-D-I, Frederic, the state's architect, Gustave Eiffel, Eiffel, must be the Eiffel Tower, right? Gustave, was also a mason as well as the builder of the pedestal. The Grand Lodge of New York performed a cornerstone lane ceremony on August the 5th, 1885. Then we have the Denver World, uh, excuse me, Denver International Airport here. It, people consider it the New World Airport, saturated with occult and Illuminati symbolism. I think it's all BS, but I'll tell you what people seem to think about it. And they do hang around Colorado a lot. There's a whole list of famous crimes that happened in Colorado. You've got the Chris Watts crime there recently. That crime was probably something to do with finances and the oil business that they pulled off the Chris, Chris Watts supposedly murder case. But, you know, Ted Bundy crossed through Colorado. We have a lot of things going on in Colorado. Unsolved crimes. So, yeah, and also don't forget um, their favorite place is Aspen, Colorado. If you see anybody that has spoken at the Aspen Institute, rest your heads. They're part of the problem, okay, because the Aspen Institute is for their kind. Look at that show I did about um, vaccine hesitancy. That's all about that Aspen Institute. So anyway, so 
So this Denver airport, um, it has from a blue Mustang with glowing red eyes, which some have compared to death, and the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. Masonic symbols, references to the New World Order, indecipherable secret codes, and murals, which appear to depict a scene of mass genocide with children of all nationalities placed in coffins. The airport opened in 1995 after a 16-month delay. Some researchers attribute the delay to the construction of a huge tunnel system underneath the facilities, which would serve as temporary living quarters for the world's elites. Rumor has it that Queen Elizabeth has been quietly purchasing vast tracts of land around the Denver airport. Now, I don't have a clue if she's been purchasing vast tracts of land. This is how wild rumors get started. A lot of that underground thing in that tunnel under the airport, which they claim is somehow shaped like a swastika, is likely, you know, under airports is how the system for tunnels work. (laughs) So, um, So, I don't know. And then they go on to say, it was a Masonic dedication, capstoning containing a time capsule, capsule and the words New World Airport Commission has sent alarm bells ringing amongst researchers of the New World Order and its aim at one world government. Well, they should just stop wringing their hands and come back down to earth here because the New World Order is the United Nations, okay? <laughs> This is how they get you going in circles, okay? Also included in this building, these are all true facts, okay? Secret codes are Navajo words referencing landmarks surrounding the airport. They have this secret code that Dizit Dit Guy, and it means White Mountain. Two paintings near the baggage claim area have caused the most controversy. What are they? One is is Leo Tangums. It's called In Peace and Harmony with Nature. Addresses the destruction of the environment with one part showing the extinction of life with children and animals in class coffins with the other one showing humanity coming together and rehabilitating nature. The other... Children of the world dreams children of the world dream of peace shows the destruction of war and depicts a tall frightening figure wearing a gas mask and swinging a huge sword representing the devastation of war the second part of the painting shows children of different nationalities coming together and restoring peace to humanity and prevailing over war. So, other places around this country. We have all these obelisks. O-B-E-L-I-S-K-S. Obelisks are found in places of financial, spiritual, or political power. What's an obelisk? It's a tall, four-sided, narrow, tapering monument which ends in a pyramid-like shape or Pyramidion at the top. Originally, they were called Tehukin by their builders, the ancient Egyptians. The Greeks who saw them used the Greek term obliskos to describe them. 
and this were word passed into Latin and ultimately English. Ancient obelisks are monolithic, that is, they consist of a single stone. Most modern obelisks are made of several stones. If you want to look for these obelisks, look for do look for the um, penis-shaped buildings in the world. Yeah, you heard me right. Penis-shaped buildings in the world. All these people who probably don't have penises are really into all this penis symbology, okay? I swear the Amazon logo is the sign of a penis. They love this obelisk, okay? Just absolutely love it. Egyptian obelisks represent the sun god Ra. They are usually found in pairs near the entrance of temples. Most Egyptian obelisks have been taken out of Egypt by more powerful civilizations, and less than half of obelisks remain in Egypt today. The phallic symbols have come to represent power and have been sought by conquerors and subjugators and dispersed all over the world. So look for penis monuments in the world and you'll take a tour of them. Rome currently has 13 obelisks within its walls. Egypt, oh excuse me, eight are from ancient Egypt and five were built by ancient Romans. <laughs> the most famous of these obelisks is the Vatican obelisk. See those Vatican's. It, is, it was first brought to Rome in 37 A.D. Oh, I don't know about any of this stuff. After being exercised by church officials in 1586. I don't know. Did the obelisk have some demons in it? <laughs> if these people try to exercise somebody and there's a crowd of them, how exactly does that work? <laughs> a pair of obelisks from the reign of Pharaoh Tutmosis III was separated and one was brought to the city of London and erected on the Victorian Embankment in 1878. The other was brought to New York Central Park and erected there in 1881. The tallest oblique in the world, did I already say this? I don't know. Anyway, it's in the Washington Monument. It did not originate in Europe, in, in Egypt. Construction began in 1848. So the other obliques came out of Egypt. This one was freshly made for this country. Aren't we special, right? And it started in 1848 and was finally completed in 1884 after a not so brief pause for the American Civil War. <laughs> the Washington Monument was briefly the tallest structure in the world until the completion of the Eiffel Tower five years later. Those French, they got a bigger thing. So anyways, there's the Cleopatra needle in the city of London. There's a Cleopatra needle in the city of New York. I don't know what this is. Um, there's the Willisbund Pyramid. It's a pyramid monument at the location of important Bavarian Illuminati Congress. In the summer of 1782, the Landgrave of Hesse, William the Ninth invited Europe's leading Freemasons on a two-and-a-half-month conclave in his newly built luxurious spa. Adam Weispot's Bavarian Illuminati used the event to recruit key Masonic figures, including the Landgrave himself, 
and was able to successfully rectify Masonic rituals. Boy, that's something else. But anyway, so he built this little pyramid. <laughs> it's the only uh, monument on this list that has ties to the historical Bavarian Illuminati, albeit a very tenuous one. The Landgrave later became Prince Elector of Hesse and was instrumental in the rise of the House of Rothschild. That was back in 18, no, 1782. Another significant building, the United Nations building, called the Trojan Horse of the New World Order. The creation of the United Nations in 1945 is universally accepted amongst people is the most important stepping stone towards the creation of the new world order i don't think it's widely accepted amongst a lot of people because i've been doing my research about psychopaths for many years on youtube in different places and you know in the back of my head i hear people talking about things about oh the illuminati and this and that so, you know, because I'm going along and not at that point, it would drift in the back of my head. But people were very convinced about these things. And everybody talked about this new world order. But what I couldn't figure out is, what were they talking about? Well, through my research, I got to the point where I got to the United Nations, and that's the new world order. They have, in the United Nations, they have divisions for everything. Everything from map making to weather, they've got it all. It is the New World Order. Construction of the building, this is the United Nations in New York. Oh, let me stop here a second. Another thing about the Germans <laughs> while I'm at it. Um, NATO. NATO has three locations right now, okay? Three, count them. One is in Germany by the base there, NATO. The other is Holland or Denmark or somewhere like that. And the third location was just installed in this country here. So then let's ask ourselves, why the United States? Why Germany? See, Germany keeps coming in this picture here. So, construction of the building began in 1948 on 17 acres of prime oceanfront land donated by the globalist Rockefeller dynasty. Don't they light their, oh, that's Rockefeller Center where they light their big Christmas tree. The United Nations remains the most powerful supranation organization to this day. The United States, the United Kingdom, France, China, and the Soviet Union remain. Oh, we don't need to talk about the United Nations right now. Um, dominant players in the U within the UN military. Yeah, UN has a very large military force. I would suggest you look at the show I did about food and how it will control us. And our friends at the UN will be here on the streets. This is why people don't make any sense, because they're all yapping about China. China, China, China. Well, ask yourself then this. Why this group in the UN that is responsible for the Kigali Principles, which essentially allows for UN troops to be on U.S. soil in case of disturbances, then you have to ask yourself, who funds this part of the UN that's going to put these troops on the streets here in case of disturbances, right? Who's going to do this, right? Who's paying for this? Well, funny you should ask, the United States and China 
are the two biggest contributors. So just forget the stuff about China, okay? Just forget it. And we also have this country, we have a place called the Tomb. It's the headquarters for the Skull and Bones, an elite Yale University senior fraternity. Lots of them went to this Skull and Bones thing, the Bushes, all of them. So anyway, construction of the tomb at Yale began in the year of the Society's founding in 1856 and was financed by the Russell Trust Association. In 1912, here we go, first week or first part of the 1900s, the Bonesmen added two medieval towers creating an enclosed courtyard. The tomb's inner sanctum is referred to as Room 322 and includes a plaque with the words, Who was the fool? Who was the wise man? Beggar or king? Whether rich or poor? All's the same in death. Inscribed in German, an ancient German proverb, which was also used in the Bavarian's Illuminati Regent ritual. Bonesmen have also collected various Nazi silverware and paraphernalia. The gravestone of Elu, E-L-I-H-U, Yale, obviously a Jew, the university's founder and namesake, as well as the skulls of Geronimo and Pancho Villa, can be found within the tomb. So I guess they keep fake artifacts unless you believe that Geronimo and Pancho Villa were really people. So let's talk about, I found some connections between the Nazis and the Jews and Freemasons here. Nazi propaganda continued to link Jews and Freemasons. Jules Steiker's virulent publication called The Assault Trooper repeatedly prints cartoons and articles that attempted to portray a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. Freemasonry also became a particular obsession of the chief of security, this Reinhard Hayden, who counted the Masons along with the Jews and the political clergy as the most implacable enemies of the German race. In 1935, he argued for the need to eliminate not only the visible manifestation of these enemies, but to root out from every German an indirect influence of the Jewish spirit, a Jewish liberal, and Masonic, Masonic infectious res- residue that remains in the unconscious of many, above all in the academic and intellectual world. This Heinrich guy created a special section of the SS Secret Service. Now remember, I did a show about the Secret Service. I think the Secret Service was really the Pinkertons from over here. But anyhow, so to deal specifically with Freemasonry, the SD, which is this Schneinheim thing, it's called SD, was particularly interested as its personnel believed that Freemasonry exercised actual political power, shaped political opinion through control of the press, and was thus in a position to provoke war, subversion, and revulsion. 
So they did this other thing, and they started a security police in 1939, which took over the section devoted to investigating Freemasonry. So the SS supposedly, <laughs> I think the SS was started, was controlled by the people here in this country. So this is really them telling us that they're running something, right? As Nazi Germany prepared for war in 1937 to 1938, the regime relaxed pressure on the rank and file of the dissolved lodges. So yeah, they said they got rid of a bunch of these lodges, but why all of a sudden they seem to want to be nice to them, right? Hitler, <laughs> who I don't know, according to that uh, Mitchell E. Brooks channel, Hitler was actually played by Walt Disney. So whoever they have is Hitler. Hitler amnestied members of the rank and file who renounced their former loyalties in April of 1938, and efforts were made in the public sector to decide on continued employment for foreign lodge members on a case-by-case -case basis. They sure didn't just yank those people out of those lodges, did they? Many civil servants who had been forced to retire due to their Masonic connections were recalled into service after the war began and the ban on former Masons serving in the Weimar Germany forces, even at the officer rank, was relaxed. You know, if you don't like somebody, you certainly don't keep them in your party, do you? <laughs> the Nazis continued to ban former Masons from membership, though exceptions were made after 1938 in both the Nazi party and even the SS. As they conquered Europe, the Germans forcibly dissolved Masonic organizations and confiscated their assets and documents wherever they established an occupied region. After a lodge was closed, it was ransacked for membership lists, important library and archival items, furnishings, and old other cultural artifacts always in there to steal aren't they always in there to steal items seized would be sent on to the appropriate german agency primarily that sd group and later the rsha and remember all that supposed jewish stuff that ended up in switzerland <laughs> must have been from the jews that weren't part of them right they went in and stole all their stuff locked them up in camps then the rest have just cruised over here. I can see how this probably wouldn't work. I can see clearly now the rain is clear. As part of the pro propaganda campaign against Freemasonry, <laughs> the Nazis and other local right-wing organizations mounted anti-Masonic exhibition throughout occupied Europe. They're really after those Masons, weren't they? Can't have it both ways. Sounds like the Chinese, right? Everybody's got to hate them, but they're manufacturing all of our goods. Germany occupied Paris hosted, let me see. German occupied Paris hosted an anti-Masonic exhibition in October of 1940, as did German occupied Brussels in February 1941. They were displaying Masonic ritual and cultural artifacts stolen from lodges. Such exhibitions aimed to ridicule and direct hatred toward Freemasons and to heighten fears of a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. Funny how that works, right? They were all part of the team. They were in there fighting with them, 
be able to be civil servants, and now all of a sudden they turn the screws on them and do some wartime propaganda. <laughs> so, they charge that the Jews, oh, German wartime propaganda, particularly in the army, charged that the Jews and Masons had provoked World War II and were responsible for the policies of U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who also identified as a Freemason. Yeah, Roosevelt, that whole thing with FDR, remember the New Deal? Build all those bridges and all that stuff? Doesn't any of this stuff kind of sound familiar to anybody but me? What are they doing now? They've got a system that's so broken it'll never get repaired. If you drive across a bridge in this country, I suggest you pray as hard as you've ever prayed, okay? This infrastructure here is collapsing, collapsing so bad that, like I said yesterday, so bad that it's beyond the state of repair. So what do they want? More money to fix it. And that's what FDR did too. But he actually did do some of the initial work. But a lot of that New Deal money went to FDR and his cronies. The one-trick ponies ride again. These people are not creative. They're not smarter than we are. They're just clever and sneaky. So, okay, where was I here? Some of Germany's Axis partners decreed police and discriminatory measures against Masons. In August 1940, the Vichy France regime issued a decree declaring Masons to be enemies of the state and authorizing police surveillance of them. The French wartime authorities even created a card file that identified all members of the Grand Orient of France, a leading French Masonic organization. The card file survived the war and was later microfilmed in the holdings of the United States Holocaust. Yeah, okay, go to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial where they closely guard all the lies. So, in 1942, Alfred Rosenberg, who, authorized, who was authorized by Hitler decree to wage an intellectual war against the Jews and Freemasons. So, this guy, Alan Rosenberg, was authorized by Hitler to go after the Jews and Freemasons. Okay. Controlled opposition, here we come. Create your own enemies. To that end, Hitler permitted Rosenberg's deployment staff of Reich leader Rosenberg to seize and evaluate Masonic archives and libraries to best equip them to carry on the methodical intellectual fight that was necessary to win the war. The members of ERR were guaranteed the support of the high command of the German armed forces in fulfilling their mission. Boy, they put a lot of effort into sorting out these Masons, didn't they, supposedly? After the end of World War II, vast collections of Masonic archives and library collections that had been seized by German authorities were captured, in turn by Allied and Soviet forces. Yeah, after World War II, supposedly, because remember, I watched every one of those documentaries. <laughs> supposedly, everybody, all these countries went racing to find the Nazi smart people to bring them to their own country. 
And, of course, the liars from this country were on a race to find the Nazis who were part of the space program. Who I will be talking more about the space program when I finally get to the Strategic Air Command. Space, space, pace. So, um, yeah. For example, a significant Masonic archive was found in Silesia in eastern Germany by Soviet troops in the last days of World War II. If you believe any of that, please contact me immediately for some real estate I want to sell you. <laughs> okay, the Soviet authorities shipped the records to Moscow where they, where they were held in secret archives. Other Masonic-related materials were recovered in Poland. Yeah, Poland. Remember talking about Poland? where these people all kind of seem to crawl into the um, position here. Some of this material has been microfilmed, yeah, 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 since the end of, of the Cold War. Got to keep all these wars straight. Kennedy was Cold War. Khrushchev was Cold War, right? Okay. Many Masonic-related collections have been returned to their countries of origin, while other countries, while other continue to be held in for Oh, I don't care where any of this stuff is. Because many of the Freemasons who were arrested were also Jews. Imagine that. Imagine that. And or members of the political opposition. It is not known how many individuals were placed in Nazi concentration camps or were targeted only because they were Freemasons. Well, I don't know. I believe the concentration camps were real. I think that probably a group of people they wanted to annihilate that weren't on board with the thing were tortured in there. I saw an interesting show ages ago that the ovens, I'm real clear the ovens were not real, but that's part of their bait and switch program, okay? Horrify us with one thing, and really behind the scenes, they're actually doing something quite simple, okay? So let me try to wrap up here. Um, on page 572, Rothschild owned publication, Le Revenue de Paris, a letter to Karl Marx from Baruch's, Baruch Levi is printed, an extract which reads as follows. This was from in a Rothschild publication. The Jewish people as a whole will be its own Messiah. It will attain world domination by the dissolution of other races, by the abolish, abolition of frontiers, the annihilation of monarchy, and by the establishment of a world republic which the Jews will everywhere exercise the privilege of citizenship. In this new world order, the children of Israel will furnish all the leaders without encountering opposition. The governments of the different people forming the world republic will fall without difficulty into the hands of the Jewish of the Jews. It will then be possible for the Jewish rulers to abolish private property and everywhere to make use of the resources of that state. Sounds to me like they're already getting pretty busy in California. <laughs> so, I don't think anybody here really owns anything, but too complicated for my brain this week. Let me continue on here and close up here. Thus will be the promise of the Talmud be fulfilled, in which he said that when the Messianic time is come, 
the Jews will have all the property of the whole world in their hands. John Kenneth Galbraith in his book, The Great Crash of 1929. At the height of the selling frenzy, Bernard Baruch brought Winston Churchill into the visitor's gallery of the New York Stock Exchange to witness the panic and impress him with his power. As a result of this, the stock market crashed, a day that would go down in history as Black Thursday. In his book, The Great Crash of 1929, John Kenneth Galbraith makes the following shocking statement. At the height of the selling frenzy, Bernard Baruch brought Winston Churchill into the visitor's gallery. They said, The international bankers sought to bring about a condition of despair here so that they might emerge as rulers of us all. Well, if that doesn't say a lot, I'm not really sure what else to say today. I'm kind of out of energy. So I will check with you later. If you could help me, please try to. Support is always appreciated. I'm here on my own. Anyway, so I will chat with you later. Where I'm going next, I don't really know yet. I'm heading toward the Strategic Air Command. Will I get there this time? Time only tells. This guy was pretty important to just kind of brush past. So be safe out there. Chat with you later. Goodbye for now. Wake up, please.